We'll read verses 6 through 22, the end of this letter. Um, Paul writes about many now details as he's closing this letter to Timothy. And there's a lot of names. All of those have meaning, different people. Some you might recognize, some you won't. Notice to the details, the things that, that, that concern Paul, the little things that maybe aren't important to us, but man, they were important to him. He talks about his parchments. He talks about bringing his cloak for winter. Um, 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 22. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered From the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Anisphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth and I left Trophimus back in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, and so do Prudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. And so Paul ends his letter to young Timothy. Yesterday was the beginning of the Tour de France one of the most grueling bike races in the world. From July 2nd to July 24th, some of the best bicyclists in the world, their teams are going to race throughout the whole country of France. A competitor once called this event, he described the Tour de France as an annual madness. An annual madness. The race covers about, I understand, 2,200 miles. 2,200 miles miles they're going to go Uh, and that is over and through some of the most difficult terrain in all of France you eat you drink on the run there's extremes of heat and cold Uh, a bicyclist might train for this event typically going 22,000 miles a year just to train 
for this particular event. There's sacrifice, there's hardship, there's pain if you're going to go through the Tour de France. And what kind of prize makes people endure this kind of race? Um, there is a cash reward at the end, but it's not, it's not significant, it's not big, it's not like uh, millions of dollars like our athletes get here. And up until 1990 about, there was no cash reward whatsoever. You got a jersey. So what is it? And, and, and there's only one winner. What is it that makes people train for this and go through this annual madness? Well, one cyclist said he does it. He does it to sweep through that arc de triumph at the end. He said, I want to be able to say, I finished the Tour de France. Yeah. To be able to say, you finished. For many, many people, uh, cycling or running a marathon, uh, other races, it's about being able to finish. It's about being able to do your best. That is why on the back of so many cars we see the stickers, 26.2, 13.1. It's just people's way of saying, I did it. I ran this and I finished it. I completed it. And there is nothing, I think, more heartbreaking than uh, you're watching a race and you see a cyclist wipe out or you see the car spin out. Uh, or, or you see the runner pull up with a hamstring or a pulled muscle and they're not able to finish their race with strength and honor. My wife, uh, Nancy, and I can talk about her this morning because she's not here. My wife, Nancy, uh, just began to do some competitive racing. She, she, she's jogged and run, but, but she just did a couple races recently. Now I know we have a number of runners, really good runners here at MOPC. Some of you have done 5Ks and 10Ks and half marathons and marathons. Uh, and, and then there's people like, like uh, maybe you know Dave Peace, who, who runs the Wasatch 100, which is 100 miles, continuous running, all night long through all three canyons up here in the Wasatch. Can you imagine? Now we're trying to get Dave some help. We're getting him in to see somebody. And I think, uh, I think we're going to be... A, be able to help them out, but what a race, huh? Anyway, recently, uh, Nancy just did her first half marathon, uh, and, and at any race you go to, the most exhilarating place to stand is the end of that finish line. That is the best place to be as those runners come across the finish line, because you know they have been training, they have been working out, they have been just living for this day in this race and to get across that line. And, and, and they're all shapes and sizes and they all have their own personal goals that they're trying to do. And it's just a pleasure to see those people cross the line. You know, and they, they didn't know maybe if they'd make it. Their legs got heavy and their feet got slow and the muscles began to burn and maybe they lacked a little energy. But, you know, every person is a winner in their own way when they get across that finish line. Those of you who have done races... You know the ecstasy and just the feeling of just being able to finish it. You reached your goal. There's a feeling uh, that's almost, I think, difficult to describe with words. All the weariness, all the sacrifice, all the work was worth it. The Apostle Paul sits in a Roman prison. And he knows the time has come for his departure, meaning his death. And he's coming to the end of his life and he can see the finish line. He tells Timothy, I fought the good fight. 
I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. You see, Paul viewed his life, he viewed the Christian life as a race to be run. His life is about to end. He'll stand before the Lord, who is the righteous judge, and he will receive his award. And and does Paul call the Lord the righteous judge? Because he has been already declared guilty by Nero, the Roman emperor, the unrighteous judge. And he knows when he stands before Christ that Christ will judge him much differently. A crown of righteousness, he says, awaits him. Now in the ancient world, the reward was literally a wreath that sat like a crown made of leaves on the head. Much like we give a trophy or a medal or a ring to uh, champions today. Paul is heading home and he is confident that the Lord will bring him through whatever awaits him from his captors and that he will arrive safely with Christ. He writes in verse 18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. Paul takes the image of racing and he uses it as a metaphor for the Christian life. And the race is not a sprint. It's a long distance run. It's a marathon. It's the Wasatch 100. It's a picture that Paul used often, this picture of racing to the uh, Corinthian Christians. He wrote, don't you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we, being Christians, we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. While serving in Ephesus, Paul said, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race And complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. To the Philippians, Paul said, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called me heavenward, which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And it wasn't just Paul, but it was other Christians who saw the Christian life as a race. The writer to the Hebrews puts it this way. He says, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. To finish the Christian race is to keep the faith. Cross the finish line, we meet the Lord. Now let's take Paul's image. And make keeping the faith a race to be run. Now, what goes into running a race? Well, first of all, there's training. You've got to prepare yourself for a race. You've got to get the muscles and the lungs toned up. So, in running the race for Christ, we have to practice our faith. We've got to practice love. We've got to practice Servanthood, we've got to practice forgiveness and prayer and and do those things that will stretch and that are going to grow our faith, keep us in training. In a race, uh, you also have to have pacing, pacing. Uh, A runner has to know when to go hard, 
when to go a little slower. A runner has to know how to gauge the peaks and the valleys of the race. Some people can really step it up. Some people, we're we're just plotters. You know, it doesn't matter how fast you run the race. You've got to run it at your pace. The point is that you finish, that you get there. So, everyone runs the Christian race at their own pace. How has God made you? Run in the way that he has made you to run it. You can try to run fast in a race, right? But if you don't make it to the finish line, it doesn't matter, does it? Run the way he made you. Third thing about a race, how about this? You need nourishment. A runner has to keep hydrated. A runner has to put the right stuff in her body to keep going. And so the Christian race needs the nourishment of Scripture. We need the nourishment of those personal times where we can just be with God and God can address us um, and worship the nourishment. Runners in a race, they stay light. You notice runners don't wear a lot. Uh, You never see a runner with a whole bunch of heavy clothing or parka jackets or ski boots or things like that. You don't run a race like that. They stay light even in the cold weather. You can't run with a bunch of stuff weighing you down. Which is why I think it says in Hebrews, let's, let's, let's get rid of everything that's hindering our race. Let's get rid of those things. But some of us have such a hard time running because our lives are so full of stuff and busyness and activities and ambitions. And we can't keep the main thing the main thing because we have so many other things that we're trying to carry with us on this race. And it weighs us down, really. You need encouragement to run a race, I think. People will say that as they're running those long races and there's people on the sidewalks or along the way cheering them on, oh, it gives them a boost. And I've seen friends and family come out to those races and hold up the signs for their loved one to cheer them on, to get them through that next part of the race, to to give them a little pep. We need encouragement. That's why the scriptures say, you know, don't neglect to meet together as some people do. But... It says, encourage one another, especially all the more as you see the day approaching. Meet together, encourage one another, all the more as you see the finish line coming nearer. One of the things that coming here every Sunday should do is it should provide us encouragement. It should provide us strength for the week ahead, uh, for that next leg that we have to run in our lives. We need to cheer each other on each week. We need to share one another's struggles. Pick one another up where we're down. We need to give wisdom to one another. We need to pray for one another and get our eyes fixed on Jesus again. Many of you tell me, you know, Sundays for me give me the energy and the inspiration that I need for that upcoming week and what's going to come in my life. That's the way it should be. And then a race takes this. It takes perseverance perseverance there are times we wonder boy is this worth it there are times i think we're tempted to quit there are times we want to give up you just don't know boy do i have the strength to go any farther and boy isn't the christian life like that but once you commit your life to Jesus Christ and once you enter that race of living for Him, it takes tremendous perseverance. It takes perseverance because the conditions of running the race are not easy. 
So much of following Christ is just about, I think, continuing and keeping on, keeping on. Because there's trials, there's temptations, there's sufferings, there's adversities. All these things that try to take us out of the race. Jesus said this. He said, the person who endures to the end, that's the person who will be saved. You can't quit. The Apostle John wrote, he said, to continue continue in Jesus Christ so that when he appears, we can be confident, we can be unashamed before him at his coming. In Colossians, Paul writes that we can be holy in God's sight, we can be without blemish, we can be without accusation if, he says, you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. A lot of the Christian life is continuing. We've just got to keep going. The reformers, they said, you know, perseverance is a sign of a true Christian. They said, you really don't know who the true Christian is till the end of the race. People like John Calvin and Jonathan Edwards said, oh, you know, uh, the Christian may fall. And the Christian may not even really nurture their, their faith for a time. But they will never give up. If a true Christian falls, they will get back on their feet. They will ask for God's forgiveness and Seek his grace to continue. Like Job, even though they get angry, even though they go through a time of questioning, they will not turn away from God. A Christian may, probably will, have doubts, discouragements, challenges, times of confusion maybe, times of darkness. A Christian may stumble for part of the journey, but they will repent. They'll keep on going until they finish that race. They persevere. And Paul's quite open with Timothy about some of the things that he has struggled with as he has faced his race. He was opposed. He was deserted. He was alienated. But he says, the Lord stood at my side and he gave me strength. Some runners have what's called a pacer, someone who kind of gets them going um, and, uh, and pushes them along, or they have a running partner who makes the race a little bit easier for them. It's easier to run with someone sometimes. Certainly a coach or a trainer, someone who can stand by someone and spur them on. Once I went over to the uh, ice oval and watched some of the long uh, ice skating races around the track, and uh, as the skaters go around the track, every skater in that international competition had a coach on the far side of the track yelling out encouragement and the time to that skater, that racer, as they went by to, to stand by them, to get them going, to give them strength in their race. The Lord is not distant from us as we run. He is by our side. He gives us the strength that we need to run. What does it say? Those who wait upon the Lord, those who trust in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and they won't be weary. Maybe we can break down a race into four, four parts. Let me try, okay? First of all, you've got to enter the race. How about that? That's the first part. And entering the Christian race is, is surrendering to Jesus Christ. It's making that decision of commitment. It is saying, I'm going to commit my life to his glory. Do you daily strive for him? If he really is the son of God, if he died for us and loves us and will be the one we face at the end of the race, then what keeps you, if you haven't, what keeps you from giving yourself fully to him? 
Well, second, once the race begins, you've got to run. And that takes exertion, it takes effort, it takes discipline. And all of those things are part of living for Christ. You need all those things. And then third, you've got to keep running. Don't quit. Endure. Persevere. It's okay to slow down. Sometimes we even, I think, have to walk a little bit to recover for that next stretch that we're going to have to go through. But don't stop. Don't stop. And then fourth, the finish line. Crossing the finish line. You know, no point in running if we're not going to finish. Right? No one goes to the Boston Marathon. And, um, you know, races are not experiments. No no one goes to the Boston Marathon and and races that race and says, well, you know, I'm going to do this. And if by the seventh or eighth mile it's not working out, I don't know, I might go picnic here on the side or go over to Starbucks and grab something. No, they're there to finish the race. They wouldn't think about doing that. Got to finish. I know one thing. Racers, runners do not come across the finish line looking good, composed and dry and smelling nice. You better be sweating when you come across that finish line. Remember a few years, uh, many years back now at the Boston Marathon, the woman, Rosie Ruiz, remember that name? She crossed the finish line at the Boston Marathon first. They put the wreath on her head and then people started saying, you know, she looks pretty darn good for having run the Boston Marathon and won it. And sure enough, she had cheated. She'd come in at about the 13th mile out of the crowd and, and tried to sneak in. Yeah, you can't do that. What if we cross the finish line with our hearts beating? No, we, we, we've got to cross the finish line strong. What if we cross the finish line with our hearts beating, with our lungs burning, with our feet just about out of gas, and we just fall into our Savior's arms? That's it. Mike Iaconelli, the late youth pastor uh, and youth leader, said, Life is not a journey to the grave with the intention of ri- arriving safely in a pretty and well-preserved body but rather to skid in broadside, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, and loudly proclaiming, wow, what a ride. What about running for a full, an intimate, compelling life with Jesus Christ where our hearts are pumping and our hands are dirty? We run so that our legs are just weary for running from Him Never missing an opportunity for him or with him. You know, someday we're going to come to the end. And to come to the end and not be able to locate any place in my life where I was faithful, gave with energy and passion to Christ, that's a lost life. At the end of the race is a crown of righteousness. It is the crown that belongs to Christ himself because he is the righteous one and the one who makes us righteous. And he gives us his righteousness. That crown comes from him and he puts it on us and he gives it to us. And the crown goes to the one who finishes. And you say, yeah, but it only goes to the one who wins. Well, in the Christian race, anybody who finishes wins. Listen to what Paul said in verse 8. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all. But also to all who have longed for His appearing. 
couple of weeks ago, the Ragnar race took place here in uh, Salt Lake City. The Ragnar relay race is a 200 miles, another one of those monsters, 200 mile race, night and day relay of teams of up to 12 people. And each person on the team runs maybe three miles, maybe eight miles. It just depends on what they can do. And then you pass it on to the next person and they run the next part and it goes 200 miles. The thing about the Ragnar, and it goes maybe 24 hours, 30 hours, 40 hours, depends how fast your team can run. The thing about the Ragnar relay is it is not individual. It is a team effort. And in the Ragnar relay race, after everybody's done, after everybody's run their leg, you finish the race with your whole team. The whole team goes across that finish line together. You know, the Christian race is really more of a relay and a team thing. We never run alone. We're always running together. We are running a longer race than just spans our lives. It is a race that's going on for all of time. It won't end until the day we all stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And death is not the finish line of this race. Mm -mm. Some will, some have finished the race. They are waiting for us. The finish line is the day the Lord appears. And we are all resurrected together and his kingdom is fully established and brought in. And Paul is passing along the torch to Timothy. He's given him the baton. He has mentored him. He has groomed him with this gospel and what to do with it. And now Paul will end and Timothy's going to keep on running and someday he's going to pass it to somebody too. And the goal is for all of Christ's people to make it to that finish line together. Some will be waiting for us at the end. Maybe Paul will be there at our finish line saying, all right, you made it. I've been waiting for you. I think there are people cheering for us now, that great cloud of witnesses, those saints that have gone before us. Some of us are in the early stages of our race. We've got a long way to go. Some of us are in the middle stages. Keep going. Some here, getting towards the end, we see the finish line. So persevere. Keep your legs going. Encourage one another. Keep the faith. Let's finish. Let's finish strong. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you've run before us in this race that we are on. Guide our feet. Give strength to our hearts. Help us to persevere, to keep running until that day that we see you when we are shoulder to shoulder, hand in hand. I pray, Lord, that if any are just entering that race today because of something they've experienced here, that you would help them in those first steps. And for those of us, Lord, who've been running, put wind in our sails, for we look to you. Amen. Amen.